reading it from the Bible, we'd act it out and, and just sort of explain what's going on as we tell the story. So now I've got um, Phoebe and Olivia have offered to help with this already. So Phoebe's going to come and be Jesus. Thank you. And Olivia's going to come and be uh, the blind man. Uh, but I need some other volunteers. I need uh, a couple of people to be Jesus' disciples. Uh, Sam and Adelia and Sphere. You can come and be disciples of Jesus. So you go and hang around with Jesus just over here for a minute. Just there. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys, I need you to be uh, the people of Bethsaida. So uh, I need you to just kind of gather a crowd around here if you can. Uh, that would be great. Uh, Olivia, you can be just... Um, over here for a minute as the blind man uh, close your eyes because you can't see <laughs> right now we need, you guys can join in as well come and be the people of Bethsaida uh, you're going to love playing this part I'm sure now okay so we need to set the scene of this because this, this happens in Mark chapter 8 and there's only four verses but there's so much that happens in these four verses and even more so when we understand the context of what's going on so Jesus is ministering in a place called Bethsaida. Okay, so let's all say Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Okay, so Jesus is ministering there, doing the things that he does, teaching his disciples. They're probably sat at his feet listening to what he has to say, because that's what they would often do. Just say, well, it wasn't telling them off. Anyway, so Jesus was uh, teaching his disciples, doing the things he normally does. And some people, let's say uh, two or three of you, could you just uh, go and get Olivia for me uh, and just um, bring her to, uh, to Jesus? Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and asked him to touch him, to heal him, basically. Now, you've got to think about this. What's going on here? Is this blind man, has he been bought by a couple of friends? Are there a couple of friends who care about this blind man and want to see him healed? Well, maybe that's the case. But generally speaking, if you had an illness like this, the kind of blindness that this man had, which we'll look at in a minute, you generally were quite an outcast. You weren't really somebody who people would go anywhere near. So you're not likely to have many friends at this particular stage. So it's not likely that he was bought by friends. So let's bring the blind man back. So it wasn't friends that bought him. Okay. Some say maybe there were some people who were just a bit curious as to what Jesus could do. So they saw a blind man. So just standing there, sitting there on the floor, begging, maybe. And they said to the blind man, would you, would you like to come and meet Jesus and see what he can do? So they could be just kind strangers. Okay? Just, yeah. You just invite the blind man and take him over. And they're just being kind and they want to see him, see what he can do. Maybe that's the case. But it's probably not likely the case. So the blind man uh, is a bit more different than that. And you're going to have to act this out as I say it. Okay? All of you are going to have to say part of that. Because the reality is that Jesus was where? Where was he? He was in a place called Bethsaida. Now in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says about Bethsaida, it will be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than it will be for Bethsaida. What that basically means is it's not a very nice place. It's a horrible place to be. It is a place that has pushed God so far out of their life that they're not willing to acknowledge him at all. They worship all kinds of other weird, horrible gods that don't exist. They are all rejecting everything that Jesus is doing. Everything that Jesus tried to do there, they weren't interested. And if they were interested, it was for all the wrong motives. So what is most likely is that a group of horrible people from Bethsaida grabbed a random blind man off the streets, just picked a random blind man. Come on, do it. Act out, all of you. Just grabbed this random blind man, dragged him to Jesus really unwillingly and said, go on then, heal him. Show us what you can do. If you're really who you say you are, go on, prove it. 
Do a healing. We want to see what you can do. Show us what you're made of. And so this blind man hasn't come willingly necessarily. He maybe doesn't know Jesus. Maybe he hasn't even heard of Jesus. He finds himself at the foot of this guy, uh, not being able to see, having no concept of where he is, no concept of who bought him. And he's surrounded by all these people who are jeering Jesus on to do this miracle. To just do it. And, and Jesus is like, well, that's not how I'm going to do this. So Jesus does something really special. He takes the blind man by the hand. Okay? Lifts him up. And he's blind, remember, so eyes closed. Okay? And he takes the blind man by the hand. And he leads him really gently, really carefully. He leads him out of the village. He gets him as far away from Bethsaida as they can possibly get. Because he doesn't want what he's about to do to be a spectacle. He doesn't want to do it for show and tell. He doesn't want to do it to show off. He doesn't want to do it because these people have asked him to do it or begged him to do it or persuaded him to do it. He wants to do it because he wants to do it. And so he takes this man as far away from Bethsaida as he can possibly get. Now we don't know whether anyone followed. The fact we have an account of this suggests maybe one or two of the disciples went with him. So you guys can... It's possible that a couple of them did. Uh, But generally speaking, this looks like a very private, intimate moment between Jesus and the man who was blind. And then what happens next is absolutely incredible. We're going to do that in a minute, but first we're going to stand and sing again. So you guys can take a seat. Jesus and disciples and blind man can come back. And and let's uh, stand, actually, to sing a couple of songs together. Seats, good stuff. Okay, so we're going to pick up where we left off from our story. Now, they've gone outside the village, but again, we have them at the front, so you have to pretend we are now outside the village of Bethsaida. I need Jesus, and I need the blind man to come back for me, please. So, Jesus has taken the blind man out of Bethsaida. Now, one was to get him away from the crowd, so that what happened was a personal, intimate moment, uh, but also uh, it was because he knew how corrupt Bethsaida was, And actually, for this miracle to happen, he just needed to just get away from this all, really, just because Jesus, that's how Jesus chose to do it. Now, what happens next in the story, on first reading, sounds a little bit gross. I'll be honest, it sounds a little bit disgusting. So the blind man is blind, his eyes are closed, he can't see. And what Jesus does is he spits in his face. Jesus spits in the blind man's face. Now that sounds, in 21st century, very health and safety conscious Great Britain, like the worst thing you could possibly do. It's a complete social no-no. You don't, if ever you're praying for healing, uh, prayer ministry 101 is you don't spit in their face. You know, and, and generally they say that when you're praying, don't get so excited, don't, you know, say it, don't spray it, that kind of thing. But you just don't spit in someone's face if you're praying for healing. But that's exactly what Jesus does. He spits and, and he rubs the man's eyes. Now, that sounds absolutely gross and disgusting, doesn't it, when we look at it that way. But what Jesus is doing is incredibly compassionate. And let, we find out why it's compassionate by the next verse, actually. Because Jesus says to the man, do you see? Now, I want some people to just stand up and just start moving around, slowly walking around. 
as if you are just people around. So Jesus has taken this guy to a a place outside of Bethsaida, but that doesn't mean there's no one else around. There are still people around. And Jesus asked the man, can you see? And he said, well, I can sort of see uh, shapes of people, and they look like trees, but they're moving. That's what he says. They look like trees, but they're moving. Okay, guys, you can sit down. Thank you. You can, if you want. They look like trees. Now, for the man to know that they look like trees means he hasn't been blind from birth. Uh, Unless he's got somebody who's described it incredibly well to him, but the chances are that's not the case. And so if this man knows that people look like trees moving, then he's seen trees before. What that basically means is that the reason he's blind now is not because he was born blind, but because he has an illness that has made him blind. Now that's most likely, given the time that we were in at Jesus' time, something that was quite common, would have been something that it meant where he would have had terrible sores on his eyes. And it would have been so painful that he can't open his eyes. It would have hurt every single day. And what Jesus does in that moment by spitting into the man's eyes and rubbing it on his eyes, it's like a salve, it's like like a really soothing feeling. And that man would have known something very significant in that moment. Regardless of whether he'd heard of Jesus before, regardless of whether he believed that Jesus could heal or want to heal, the moment Jesus spits in his eyes and soothes the pain, this man instantly knows I'm in the presence of someone who cares about me. I'm in the presence of someone who wants me to get better. I I don't know who this guy is, but he really cares because he's alleviated my pain. He's done what he can and he's gone against social faux pas to do that. He doesn't really care about those social things because he just wants me to be comfortable. and, And he takes whatever he has to hand and he makes me more comfortable. And so instantly... This man is beginning to grow a little bit in his understanding of who he's in the presence of right now. Someone who really cares about him. And then it's remarkable, because this man, okay, he hasn't been out of sea for however long it's been, and suddenly he can see people moving like trees. Now he begins to get a little bit excited, I'm sure. (laughs) So he begins, I I mean, for him, that probably would have been enough. Do you know, he probably would have said, this is brilliant, I can see again. I know it's only shapes, but I can see again, this is great. I haven't been able to see for ages. And, and he probably would have said, thank you, Jesus, thanks for what you've done. You, you've healed me, that's amazing, thank you. And Jesus goes, no, there's more. And do you know, this is the only healing in the whole of the Bible that Jesus does in two parts. Every other healing Jesus does in the Gospels is instant. Instant word, instant touch, whatever it may be, uh, Jesus does it instantly. This is the only one he does in two parts. And he doesn't do it in two parts because he needs to. It's not because Jesus wasn't powerful enough to do it the first time. It's not because he wasn't weak enough to do it the first time. It's because there's a reason Jesus is doing this in two parts. He's teaching something to this blind man. Something we may not know about his past that Jesus could be revealing. Something he's revealing about himself. Something about how he's revealing that God works instantly, but he also works in the process as well. That's just who our Father is. That's the way he works. And so Jesus is doing this for a very specific reason. And so the man says, I can see again. This is great. I can see they're moving like trees but this is brilliant I can see and Jesus is like well I have more for you so Jesus just touches the man's eyes he doesn't spit this time don't worry just touches the man's eyes a bit less reluctantly than that (laughs) And, and the man can see and it says that he can see clearly and the translation we have is he can see perfectly 
absolutely perfectly. And then Jesus does something remarkable. Is he says, don't go back to Bethsaida. Don't go back into the village, but go home and celebrate with your family what is going on here. And I think there's two reasons Jesus does that. The first is because he knows that if he goes back to Bethsaida, all of these nasty, horrible people from that village are going to rubbish everything that Jesus has just done. They're going to deny the healing. They're going to explain it away with science or theory or all kinds of different horrible religious things. And, and they're going to just say, this is just it's absolute nonsense. It hasn't really happened. What are you talking about? Maybe you weren't really blind in the first place. Maybe you're just making it up for attention. They would have done everything they can do to explain this miracle away. Because these were people who had completely rejected Jesus. And Jesus didn't want that for this blind man. He wanted him to be able to celebrate and live with this miracle. And so he said, go home and tell your family. Show what Jesus has done for you today. And so he does. And also, I think, had Jesus sent this man back to Bethsaida, Jesus himself would have been absolutely mobbed by these people. For all kinds of different reasons and and different things that would have happened, it would not have been good. What followed would not have been good. And so Jesus says to this man, just go home, celebrate with your family. Tell them what I've done, but don't go back to that place. And what he's also saying to that man is your life has been changed. You don't belong there anymore. You belong in the kingdom. Significant change has happened in this man's life. Significant change because of who he's encountered. And it started with compassion of Jesus, leading him out of the village, saying, I'm not making a spectacle of you, spitting in his eyes, saying, I care compassionately, deeply about your pain and your suffering, and I'm going to do something about it, and I'm going to do more than you can imagine or ask. And then he does, and sends him home. Isn't that an amazing story? All of that happens in four verses of the Bible. Matthew chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. Absolutely incredible Incredible encounter with Jesus. So you guys can take a seat, thank you. What does that mean for us in Lent? What is it that I think Jesus is asking us and calling of us in this season? Well, I think it's this. We know we've got a number of people in our church family who are suffering and struggling. And there are many people we're praying for absolute healing and restoration for. And there are some cases in which we're seeing it and some cases in which we're not. But regardless of what we're seeing and regardless of what we're not seeing, I think Jesus' invitation in Lent is very, very clear. And it's this. Come away with me a while and see what I can do for you. So we can focus on, 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 on sort of what we want to see happen and that's great but we can do that very much from our own motives and what we want to see happen and that's all very good and it's right none of it's bad but Jesus is saying no come away with me a while let me take you out of this for a while Have, come and spend some time with me and let me show you what I want to do for you because it might be very different to what you might be expecting But whatever I'm going to do for you and whatever I'm going to do for that person you're praying for and all those things, although it may not look like it straight away, although it may seem like it's all a bit blurry and rubbish, it will be for your good and it will be for his glory. Whatever it is, whatever it looks like. And so the invitation this Lent season is Jesus calling you, come away with me a while. Whatever that looks like for you. 
That might be just being really committed to spending some time with Jesus every day. It might be having a retreat and going somewhere where people can lead you and guide you. It might be seeing a counsellor to help you see Jesus through the fog that you're currently living under. It might be uh, gathering with some trusted friends to pray and seek God together. It might be just being more honest in your home group with who you are. It might be choosing to come to church no matter how hard that choice may be. There's all kinds of different ways this Lent season, but the invitation from Jesus, from everyone, from the youngest to the oldest person in this room, is come away with me a while and let me show you what I want to do for you. So that's our invitation this Lent. Whatever that looks like for you, however that plays out, I pray that you will encounter Jesus and your lives will be changed and that you will know that your identity is in the kingdom, certainly not in Bethsaida or anything like it. We are children and heirs of God and that is a privilege and a joy to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate that in song. Let's uh, stand and sing together. Just as Steve continues to play, we're going to come to our time of intercession, praying for uh, the world that God made and the world that God loves. And I just want you just standing where you are right now. I just want you to think of a place in the world. It might be another country. It might be somewhere in this country, uh, somewhere that you know of that is in need of God right now. And I just want you in this moment to just uh, say the name of that country, whatever age you are. It doesn't matter if we say them at the same time. Just to speak out the name of that place that you want to pray for this morning together. So let's speak them out uh, just now. particularly want to pray for places that you might be thinking of that seem a bit like Bethsaida, that seem like there's no hope for them. But what we find in the Gospels and in the letters of Paul is that Jesus came for the whole world and that no one is excluded from that. So just to pray again for those places where it seems hopeless, where it seems desperate, but Jesus can do anything. So we pray for those places, for the people who lead those places. And also I just want to have this time, as we've just been hearing about the story of Jesus uh, healing a blind man, to pray for those we know and we love who are sick and unwell. And if you feel it's appropriate to do so, then again you can speak out their name or their names Uh, together before God now as we pray. So we pray for those who are suffering, remembering especially today. And Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your church. Lord, we thank you for those places where the church is working um, in the Spirit to enable people to have an encounter with you in the way that this blind man did. And God, we want to be a church like that, where we create opportunities for people to encounter the risen Jesus. And so we pray for ourselves, we pray for your churches in this benefice, in this area, that we may do those things that point people to the fact that Jesus is alive. pray for ourselves and we want to commit to you in this season of Lent that we will take time 
to come away with you so that you can do what you want to do in us. And we just offer ourselves to you again, acknowledging our need of you as we sing together again, I need you. you fill us with your love that you fill us with your peace that you fill us with your presence thank you Jesus Amen